You're listening to Adishokbe Live, the Afrobeat podcast. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, to another edition of Adishokbe Live. Of course, the official Afrobeats podcast, sponsored by World Remit, supported by Afrocene TV, and of course, shot here, right here in the UK at AfriMedia Studios. And uh, as always, we've got big news coming over the last seven days. Uh, the headlines are very simple. Black Tuesday in Nigeria as Nigerian army opened fire on peaceful protesters. Thousands show up for NSAS protest in London. Beyonce, of course, responds to the calling out uh, by Nigerian Afrobeat superstar Tiwa Savage. And Beyonce's mother responds as well as well as more influential and international celebrities speaking out on behalf of Nigerian youth against police brutality and lots, lots more. If you're just joining us here on Afrobeats Podcast, Adi Chopin Live, this is where we break down some of the headlines that have taken place in the last seven days. And I share my opinions with you guys, of course, members of my family and clan. Make sure you support by just subscribing on any platform that you get this podcast on, that is YouTube, Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, whatever. Share with the family as well. Let them come in and join us and understand some of these headlines. So I'm going straight into it this week and starting in Nigeria, where the world watched in horror through popular DJ Switch uh, as she streamed the Lekki Tollgate massacre live via her Instagram. If you've been under a rock, it's very simple. Popular DJ uh, switch in Nigeria was on ground at the Lekki Tollgate where the protesters, the peaceful protesters, were standing and, of course, demanding uh, end to brutality, end to SARS. And they were there when the military were dispersed. Now, before this, um, the governor of Lagos State had announced that the Lagos State was going into a curfew that was going to kick in at 4 p.m. This was announced around 12 or 11, uh, 11 a.m. in the morning leaving protesters as well as other citizens in the state just about four or five hours to get off the streets and go home. Unfortunately, those at the gates, some of who chose to stay there and others who could just not go anywhere, remained there peacefully protesting. That, I might add. Unfortunately, the, the military were deployed to go there and deal with the protesters and what went on that we all saw witnessed on DJ Switch's Instagram Live was shocking not only to her, to everybody watching around the world. At a point, the viewership on her Instagram Live went up to 130,000 people live with people like Diddy, Shade Borough, Shade Room, Bolala. Name any celebrity in the world, they were on that Instagram Live watching the heroics of this young woman live around the world. She continuously streamed via her phone, showed us, you know, people, peaceful protesters that had been shot, who had gunshot wounds to the neck, to the back, to the thigh, to the legs. You know, they streamed and showed people that had lost their lives and gunfire continued into the crowd by the Nigerian army. That Instagram live stream went on for probably about 30, 41 hour or something like that before she, oh, I think her battery ran out and everybody was in panic. So instantly uh, social media kept on crying. A lot more noise was out there. And the shocking thing was after 
DJ Switch's Instagram Live got shut off, a lot of people felt perhaps the shooting and the killing had stopped. But what did we know? We woke up the following morning, which was a Wednesday morning, and found out that she went on Instagram Live again with popular blogger and producer Sam Clef. And as she was talking about what was happening at the Lekki Tollgate, gunshots rang out once again. So the military personnel were still present at the Tollgate shooting at peaceful protesters again on Wednesday morning. Um, since then, the outrage has not only gone on in Nigeria, the criticism has gone on around the world with London also having a demonstration, peaceful demonstration in front of the Prime Minister's office, in front of the Parliament building, as well as the Nigerian uh, High Commission, where passionate protesters stepped out to really speak up against police brutality, particularly the Lekki Massacre, which is now being called the Lekki Massacre in Lagos, where peaceful protesters were being shot at, directly at. Yes, uh, the state government and the federal government has come out to say, unfortunately, as some peaceful demonstrators were on the, the island of Lekki protesting, uh, other people had, you know, had hijacked parts of the protest and started to loot and, and rob and abuse and attack some police officers as well as military officers in the same state. Hence why the governor uh, declared almost uh, declared a curfew. However, you know, looking at the events that led up to the military rolling up at the Lekki Gate before opening fire on the peaceful protesters, a couple of hours before some pictures surfaced online where it looked like operatives had gone, government officials or private company officials running the toll gate had gone to that toll gate, removed cameras, and then once it got dark, they turned off the lights. And you have to think, this is not the first time that the protesters had been at that gate. They've been at that toll gate for the last 10 to 12 days. And that night was the first time that operatives took away the cameras, surveillance cameras, as well as switched off the lights. And it smelled and reeked of conspiracy. Um, so obviously, uh, people around the world went hard questioning the government, asking questions. First of all, who ordered for the cameras to be taken down? Who ordered for the lights to be switched off? And most importantly, who gave the kill order for members of the armed forces to shoot directly into the peaceful protesters? Losing, at, as, as at press time, recording this podcast, uh, 12 people have been confirmed death dead by the Amnesty International. And as uh, you know, I, I listened to a video that uh, DJ Sweep put up earlier on where she said lots more uh, were dead, but unfortunately they can't confirm those because they made the errors. Listen to me say they made the errors. Like they felt like they made an error by taking the dead bodies to the feet of the military officials to say, look at what you've done. And what they realized was that the military personnel took those dead bodies into their vehicles and drove away with them. So in the morning, there was almost no dead body on ground apart from empty bullet shells. So right now, uh, on social media, the likes of former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton tweeted at the president of Nigeria 
the likes of Beyonce came out also demanding the end to the brutality and, and a lot more celebrities around the world and influential people, government officials in the UK reaching out and questioning the Nigerian government as well as the state government of Lagos State. How we got to be that peaceful protesters with nothing but a flag in arm singing the national anthem were shot at. Um, I'm a proud Nigerian. Uh, I've witnessed a lot of terrible things in, in the last couple of decades coming, you know, coming from Nigeria. But this is arguably one of the most horrific scenes that I've ever seen or heard of in the history of Nigeria. And it, it broke not only my heart, but millions of people around the world, energizing people to hit the streets from London to Toronto, Toronto to LA, LA to Atlanta, New York to Berlin, demanding justice for those that had lost their lives, as well as asking the questions, who gave the kill order? Um, the investigations have started. The investigations continue. There has been a little bit of conspiracy. The Nigerian president came out, as well as the state governor of Lagos State, saying that nobody died. But obviously, contrary to what they say, uh, there were vi video evidence through GJ Switch's Instagram Live of men, young men and women with gunshot wounds, uh, fatal gunshot wounds to their necks and their bodies. So the investigation has started. Uh, there's been a petition raised here in the UK with over 300,000 signatures demanding uh, justice and asking the Nigerian presidency to, to, to be questioned and looked into how this descended into this horrific scene. It's been a traumatic week, I will be honest with you. Um, I don't even know how I'm doing this today, but it's a job, we've got to do it, and we have to share our thoughts with the world as well as present the news the way we see it to, to everybody else. And you go and do your investigation. The last seven days, particularly Tuesday, now dubbed Black Tuesday in Nigerian history, will go down as a day when military personnel in Nigeria open fire on young men and women who are peaceful protesters, flag in hand, singing the national anthem. Um, again, I mentioned thousands showing up in London, including Nigerian Afrobeat singer Burner Boy, who showed up for the first time at the London peaceful protest, speaking to thousands of protesters, talking about the injustices going on, demanding protest to keep going on but making sure that it's peaceful and that the young men and women should fight for their rights as well as demand justice. Um, it was great to see Bernard Boy. Obviously, he had been criticized in the past, wrongfully, in my opinion, that he hadn't showed up at the protest before. I believe that as a musician, Bernard Boy has done and continues to do his part by singing and speaking about what his eyes see on ground in Nigeria. The injustices, the oppression, historical facts that have been wrong, and all of that information that he has wiggled into his music over the last decade. I think that type of person needs to be applauded, like I've said in the past. If it was in the 80s or the early 90s that a Bonabra was singing that type of music, he'd probably be in exile. <laughs> you know, so uh, demanding that they show up at, at protests might be a little bit too much, but yes, he did show up and he spoke to the people and the fans were excited to see that as well. Um, we're rolling on from that to Beyonce finally responding to the Tiwa Savit viral video calling her out to show support for the not young Nigerians. 
Um, if you remember about a week ago as well, during this NSARS movement, he was savage, uh, was on Instagram live, distraught, you know, basically in tears, asking for the international community to lend their voice to end brutality, police brutality in Nigeria. And she said something that I had connected with at the time, that the international community, particularly news outlets, were not giving this as much attention that you would have expected, the likes of the CNNs and the BBCs of this world, whose hits in Africa, particularly Nigeria, supersede a lot of other places around the world. And for them to have just looked, you know, above it or, above it, or just giving it just a couple of minutes time, it wasn't enough. But she was savage. Um, she made the video, she spoke out, and she particularly called on Beyonce to please use our platform to speak. Now that video went viral. It was posted on the Shade Borough in the UK, the Shade Room in America, and had tongues wagging only uh, in the entertainment world, but on social media. That was it right for Tiwa Savage, a Nigerian Afrobeat singer, to be calling out to an American singer to help fight a Nigerian problem in Nigeria. This is my thought. I felt that Tiwa Savage... Uh, using a platform to call out for international attention was right. I felt that perhaps even asking some of our international colleagues to use their platforms to share and, 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 and put the spotlight on it was right. Were her words right for calling directly at Beyonce, who she said had been a collaborator in the past, particularly with the Lion King uh, the gift album where a lot of Nigerian creatives worked alongside Beyonce to create that masterpiece that the entire world enjoyed. Were the words right? That's where you could question it. But personally, I thought the thoughts behind what she was trying to do was right. She wanted to call on to her colleagues around the world, one who had the biggest platform to please say something on the injustice that was happening to her fans in Nigeria. A couple of days afterwards, uh, Beyonce's PR team responded strongly condemning any calling out of Beyonce for a variety of reasons. Africa, 52 countries. Nigeria is not the only fan base that Beyonce has and neither are only the creatives that worked on the, the gift album Nigerian. She is not the Nigerian president and she is not a Nigerian. So she should not be called out publicly like that asking for her influence in the country. Shortly after the PR uh, spokesperson for Beyonce went hard in what we would consider a response to Tiwa Savage, Beyonce posted and said she had been working behind closed doors to see how she could help to uplift the voices of young people in Nigeria. She had partnered with an organization where she had donated money to to supply, to, to give people supplies to keep them protesting and helping them out in any form. Also sharing a link where people can donate money to. About 24 hours after the Beyonce post, her mother came hard. Again, hitting out at critics who people would perceive to be Tiwa Savage for calling Beyonce out again, saying it is wrong 
and nobody has the right to call Beyonce out. She is just a musician and a creative. She is not the president. She is not the person that you label your you you lay your problems at her doorstep. And you know, Tiwa Savage must have caught wind of this call out on social media. So she retweeted one of the tweets of a link to Beyonce's mom's comments, and she just put all of us get my mouth. <laughs> I'm basically saying, listen, I've got a mother too who can speak out on behalf of myself. You know, so don't, don't, don't threaten me. But, you know, personally, I think, yes, uh, I understand how sensitive the Beyonce cat might feel, especially because she was called out during the Black Lives Matter when she put out a video that had filters on it. People weren't too happy about that, especially at a time when people were losing their lives at the hands of police force, uh, criminal police forces in America. They felt it needed something more authentic. And apart from that, they felt it, it, the, the wait was too long for Beyonce to speak out. It's always going to be a question of whether, you know, these people have any concern in other parts of the world that they would be really, really into what's going on. But I personally think it's okay to ask them to help because they have big platforms. Maybe we need to watch our words better, but I won't fault. He was savage at the time, emotional, had just come from the walk, basically in tears, looking at young men and women struggling, being beaten to death, shot to death. And she felt the best thing she could do was reach out to some of our biggest friends around the world. So we'll need to see how that goes on. But staying on this story, Naomi Campbell was bashed, popular, supermodel, and iconic figure in the fashion world. Queen Naomi Campbell. The minute you hear me say queen, you already know I'm going to be standing with Naomi. <laughs> but hey, that's what's going to happen. Anyway, Naomi Campbell was being bashed for her tearful call on the Nigerian government to end SARS and police brutality. Popular music manager Asa Asika also calls Naomi and Beyonce culture vultures for not speaking out in time. Let's unpack this one by one. Naomi's tears on Instagram Live. People called it fake. They called it uh, ridiculous. They called it over the top. I'm going to say to all those people to shush. Naomi Campbell, that I know from afar, has dedicated a lot more time to promoting Africa and African issues for decades. From South Africa to Nigeria. Yes, in the past, some of our relationships might have been questionable, like the one with Charles Taylor. Who would have thought? But he was a president at the time who welcomed the supermodel into the country and gave her a diamond and later on turned out to be blood diamond. We understand that. But her intentions have been clear from the beginning. She's using a platform not only to promote Africa, Africa-related issues and other stories that, listen, I'll tell you a story about Naomi Campbell that completely broke. That's what swayed me onto her path about four or five years ago, when Afrobeats internationally has still not been the cool thing. She had traveled to Nigeria and then went from Nigeria to, to the, uh, Dubai, where P. Diddy and everybody was. So I was watching through P. Diddy's Snapchat at the time, and Naomi came. Adesopel Live.
the Afrobeats podcast sponsored by World Remit. Out of the car, she had just been coming from the airport and P. Diddy was playing hip-hop music in the background from French Montana. She stepped out of the car, bags in hand, and she saw P. Diddy and said, what are you playing? Play me some Afrobeats. For me at that time, I was thinking, wow, P. Diddy's Snapchat was one of the biggest platforms in the world. P. Diddy, DJ Khaled, and that was the last video I saw. And the next video I saw was P. Diddy with a t-shirt in front of his own phone saying, my sisters told me about Lagos, about the music, about the culture. I'm coming, Lagos. Guess what? Four or five years later, P. Diddy's executive producing Burner Boy's album is inviting Whiskey to his house. He's inviting Files the Bad Guy to his house. He's supporting all of these guys with his platform and promoting the Afrobeats movement. If not for Naomi, I guarantee you it wouldn't have been this strong. That's one. She went to Nigeria. She touched the fashion week in Nigeria. She's promoted fashion creatives out of Nigeria like no other international brand has. So for Asa Asika, who I believe is an intelligent young man, who is successful, is part of the David O. Camp, has a, a brilliant company as a young CEO, has done very well. On this one, with Naomi Campbell, you got it wrong. You got it absolutely wrong, my brother. Culture vulture. For somebody that has stepped into the, she stepped into the firing line to promote the culture in Ghana at Afro Nation. She was on stage at every, every single headline act, every single night. That's not the first. She introduced Whiskey on stage at the O2 Arena when Whiskey headlined the O2 Arena, bringing her star power to the table. You have to understand. Yes, there are some culture vultures, but we have to work this clearly. And when we're speaking about black people as well, I don't care if they're from Jamaica, if they're from the UK, if they're from the United States or America, Barbados, Trinidad and Tobago, they have every single right to lay a claim to Africa. Let's get it right. And that's one of the biggest problems we've had for a long time. The fact that we believe that if you're not in or from Africa, that you don't have a right to lay a claim to anything African. Let's get it right, brother. All of those years is long gone. We see clearly now. Four million slaves, over four million slaves were carted away from Nigeria into the West Indies and around the world. Most of the slaves that were dropped in Barbados and Jamaica came from the Bunny Islands of Nigeria. So guess what? A lot of the people from Jamaica and the likes of Barbados when they check their DNA, you know where they're from. They're from the west side of Africa and Nigeria to be exact. So when we're talking about these people, let's have a little bit of respect and understand that as much as we can lay claim on Africa today, those people have the right to do the same thing too. And, and you know, with this one, we need to watch ourselves because people that have dedicated their time, money, and power to promote what we're doing, we don't want to break their hearts and send them packing and make other people scared to come and do the same thing. On Naomi Campbell, my brother, you got it 1,000% wrong. So let's move on from that. We're staying in the UK. 
where Bernard Boy and Tiwa Savage, of course, held court for Afrobeats at the BBC One Extra Live on Saturday, the 17th of October. Bernard Boy had a 30-minute set headlining BBC One Extra Live, the first time in the history of One Extra Live where an Afrobeats artist has headlined. And Tiwa Savage's performance was out of a market in Lagos, which was also classy and entertaining at the same time. For me, it was another milestone for Afrobeats, the Afrobeats culture. And to see Burner Boy performed a lot of the brand new album, Twice As Tall, and maybe just one record from the old album, which was like, it was kind of cheeky. It's like, yo, man's got hits. So I don't need to be performing, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nah, I'm going to give you the new content. And then I'll give you a little Angeli Angelina. It is bossy, my man. Shout outs to the whole Burner Boy team and, of course, Tiwa Savage for representing perfectly, man. The BBC One Extra Live had international stars like Pop Can, the incredible Queen of the South, Shabo, and a list, you know, of others. The likes of Getz was on there. Getz invited Skepta into his performance. That was mental. That was crazy. But I'll stick, I'll, I'll keep it. A burner boy and Tiwa Savage representing for Africa. And I just think it's a door opener again for platforms like BBC One Extra Live, where other people within the next 12 months hopefully will have the opportunity to come in and perform as well. Now, staying in the UK, and since I mentioned Skepta, uh, popular broadcaster Julia Denuga, um, her superstar and creative brothers Skepta, Jamie, and Jason, and parents had an iconic Guardian interview. They had like a double spread with a fantastic photo shoot in there. One of the reasons why this was just kind of emotional was, number one, um, they, they were dubbed the most creative family in England. Just think about that. Julie is a successful broadcaster. JME is an iconic rapper. Skepta is a legendary rapper, including designer, brand person, just a super creative. And the more subdued one amongst them is Jason, who in the background is another super creative who's handled creatives for his brothers and other artists in terms of creating album, you know, art and logos and all of that type of stuff. And then the mom just put up a book as well. Um, and, and she was, you know, she'd been interviewed on the BBC and talking about, the, the, you know, bringing up the kids in London of African heritage and, of course, the mixture and the blend of raising them in, in urban London and how difficult it was at the beginning. And also coming from Nigeria and looking at your kids in the eyes when some of them are coming to you that, yo, I'm not going to university no more. I want to stick to music. That must have been one of the most difficult pills for an African parent to swallow. But guess what? Today, they are ripping the fruits of the belief in their children. What? You know, that, that, that picture and that interview for me is very pivotal to every African parent going forward. That rather than believe what the society stereotypes tell you to do, believe and trust in your kids. And you will get the best results ever. The, be the most creative family. These people are super free, extremely talented, and super successful. And... Another iconic thing about that picture and why I, I love talking about the young generation of Africans and Nigerians, not only in diaspora, but back home was, you know, Skepta and JME and Julie were dressed in their casual outfits, their track suits and T-shirts and whatever. But guess what dad and mom were wearing? Agbada 
Iro Buba. Simple, traditional Nigerian attire, looking suave. And that image alone, I don't care who you are, when you see that picture, you're going to have to ask, who are the parents? Where are they from? What are they wearing? And that's how Nigeria and Africa is being promoted around the world. Shout out to the Adenuga family. Now, remaining in the UK, popular R&B star Chris Brown continues to, to make appearances around London. We've seen him at restaurants. We've seen him walking into Adele's house. Apparently, Adele had a birthday party that Chris Brown showed up as. One of the reasons why this Chris Brown in London thing has been super exciting for a lot of people is he hadn't been here for over 10 years. Since he had the issue, um, the domestic violence, whatever, with uh, Rihanna back then, I think his uh, trips to the United Kingdom had been banned. So he's had to, you know, be rehabilitated. He had to face justice. And he's had to prove that he's a different man for the, you know, the United Kingdom to allow him in. Of course, for Chris Brown fans, him showing up in London on holiday only means one thing. Very soon, and very soon, Chris Breezy live at the O2. Come on, my chica. Okay, listen, Chris Brown, in my opinion, is this generation's Michael Jackson. This guy is just incredible as a musician, as a rapper, as a graffiti artist, as a talented. He's just a super talent. And I think any opportunity for people to see him on stage, particularly here in the UK, will be super welcomed. So seeing him hanging around hotspots in London definitely got everybody excited and he was just trending all over social media and people were happy about that. Even the party he went to at Adele's place, I, I mentioned Adele, and then the, the rumors is also that Adele is with Skeppy. Boy, Skepta Odogu, that's a big dog right there. Now. We're going to leave the UK briefly to go into Ghana where superstar and king of dancehall Shata Wale celebrated his birthday this weekend and it was dubbed the Shatabration. It was an all-white party with all celebrities from Ghana, from comedians to singers to actors. It was super. They had massive cakes, champagne reception, including some of the guests were also put through a twerking competition. <laughs> Listen, man, if you're going to a Shatawale party, you've got to expect the unexpected. And I'm talking some of the celebrities had to go on the dance floor and shake their little behinds. You know, I was like, what? Shata, these are guests. But hey, it's a Shatabration. It's different. Um, Shatawale right now is one of the most successful singers from Africa. Definitely top two dancehall artists in Ghana at the moment. The grip he has on the music scene in Ghana is incredible. Uh, I've been in Ga I went to Ghana last year a couple of times. And one of the times I went to Ghana, uh, a cabman took me. And I noticed off the back of my head, I was just listening. And I was like, that's a Shatawale song. That's a Shatawale song. And I asked the cabman, is that a radio? He said, no, I'm just playing my own removable CD. I said, Shatawale songs alone? He said, yes, uh, 800 songs. What? <laughs> That's the impact that Shatawali has on the locals in Ghana. 800 songs on a removable CD. And this cabman didn't even ask. You know, when you enter a cab, they're like, oh, would you like to listen to the sports, the news, or music? He didn't even bother asking me. 
if you're not listening to Shatawali, get out of the car. That, that was basically the feeling I got. So I just kept quiet in the back seat, like, yo. By the time I got to the airport, I had been, I was already a Shatawale fan. Don't worry about that. So yeah, it was great to see him celebrate big time with some of his friends out there. And um, speaking about Ghana, we're staying in Ghana, where popular stylist allegedly goes on social media to call out rapper medical for taking an outfit at a video shoot home without approval. When I saw that headline, I'm like, come on, man, Medical, Medical didn't take that home, man. Come on. Medical is a superstar, successful artist with a lot of money. So it looked like this stylist had some vendetta. Maybe there's some personal beef, and he just wanted to find a way to disrespect Medical. Because I know this guy. He's, he's got money. So what outfit is it? that is so super that he had to take home. And one of the reasons why Medical even stuck out to me this week was because he went on social media passionately pleading with Ghanaian people to keep Nigeria in their prayers and congratulate or applaud the president of Ghana's efforts of condemning the violence in Nigeria because you guess what? The Ghanaian president was the only African president who condemned the violence in Nigeria. The only 52 countries, you know, the only, the only president in Africa to have condemned the, the, the trouble going on in Nigeria. And some of the Ghanaians went on social media to criticize him. That, oh, wait, wait to consign you with Nigeria. Focus on Ghana. Da, 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 da. And medical was like, yo, you need to applaud this man for even stepping up at the time when the Nigerian president hadn't said anything. This man stepped forward and mentioned something about the goings-on in Nigeria. The medical also went forward to say, yo, you need to pray for Nigeria and also pray for Ghana because there are upcoming elections within the next two months. And if you know anything about African elections, it could get dirty really quickly. People lose their lives. You know, people get maimed. People get attacked. And what we want going forward in Africa when it comes to elections and politics is peace. So shout out to my brother Medical for keeping Nigeria in his mind and also applauding the, uh, pre uh, the president of Ghana's efforts when he did the right thing. But make sure you return that outfit. Just joking. <laughs> just joking, man. Now, um, coming to the United States of America... It's just been announced via the Academy website, which is the Oscars, that broken English has now been accepted and considered a foreign language. Now, the reason why this story made headlines was about 12 months ago, popular Nigerian actress Genevieve Naji went on social media decreeing the, the Academy and Oscar, accusing them of racial bias because her movie at the time, I think it was Lionheart, had not been considered for, had not been accepted for consideration for an Oscar because they felt that English and broken English was not a foreign language. The likes of Oprah Winfrey and other international celebrities have spoken out against the Oscar at the time, saying it was biased, it was racist, and they had to look into it. So 12 months down the line, Oscars come out to say, okay, wait in the shell, how far you don't date is an official 
foreign language. So another movie that has a majority broken English in it could be considered for an Oscar in that category. Initially, they were claiming that that was English. So I think hopefully this time, a lot more movies from Nigeria, from Ghana, you know, would have the opportunities to be considered for the higher awards. Personally, I don't care with those things. And I, and I really want to implore, you know, beg my Nigerian, Ghanaian, whatever, all the actors in Africa, yes, create your movies to international standards, but don't look for that Oscar validation because that's not it. And if you do get it or you don't get it, it still doesn't mean anything. If your work is great, it's great. Let's focus on the, the audience. Let's make sure that it's a, of international standard. But don't let us start looking at these big platforms for validation. Because they know how to break people's hearts. I'm just saying, what do I know? I'm at Ishokbe anyway in the Afri Media Studios. And just saying, so I'm giving you my two cents. Now, from America, we're going straight to Nigeria where this uproar of the NSARS movement got uh, the CEO of Twitter, Jack, involved, where he tweeted in support of the NSARS movement. Uh, a former Nigerian president went, took to social media to announce that he had uh, filed a lawsuit, a $1 billion lawsuit against Twitter CEO for involving himself in Nigerian affairs and inciting violence and uproar. So the $1 billion will be for damages to Nigeria to solve the problem that he claims the Twitter CEO's tweet has cost Nigeria. Just think about it for a minute and smile to yourself. That was a former presidential aspirant for Nigeria who took the time to go to court file documents, make payments to charge Jack, saying that his tweet was responsible for inciting violence and uproar in Nigeria. Think about it. Is this 2020? Could Imagine if that type of person had become president of Nigeria. Just imagine. Twitter would probably have been shut down by now. And he would have had good reason to do that, basically saying that, you know, the CEO stuck his nose too far in Nigerian business. Just think about that, people. You know, whilst you, you enjoy this podcast. Some of the things that people do nowadays is not only ridiculous, but it's also shameful. And this is one of them. Now, over to Kenya, where star singer Victoria Kimani made a controversial statement in support of ending sexism and tweeted. She said that, you know, African men don't know how to treat women. African men, that women are not their sex toys and neither are they their punching bags, which I agree, and said that it is in African men to mistreat an African woman. And she wants to use that statement to end sexism. Now, I agree that sexism in Africa needs to end now. I agree that men in Africa have been brought up, a lot of men, to disrespect women and to think that domestic abuse and sexual assault is okay. And he has to change. I agree that education starts very early. We're talking as soon as your boy can t walk and talk, 
you tell him to respect women and to treat and to understand consent, as far as I'm concerned. But to say African men don't have it in themselves to respect women, I think that's a little bit too far. To say African men, you know, are so irresponsible that they don't understand how to treat women or whatever, I think that's ridiculous. And I also want African women to take some sense of responsibility. These are the men that you raised. As well, a young man doesn't just pop out of nowhere disrespecting women and being stupid or whatever. He also has in his family, if not a mother, a sister, a cousin, an auntie, who should take the responsibility of teaching that young man that I dare you, dare you to lay a finger on a woman. And if you do do that, you will go to jail for it. It starts in the home. So as well as we, the men have to take responsibility and show our young men the way to go, I think the women have to take responsibility and show their sons how to treat women. 50-50, chicken, that way we'll deal with it. You know, don't, and, and in, um, uh, in Victoria Kimani's tweet, uh, Instagram post, I saw someone comment there. Uh, and this was Jay Breeze, who is the hype man for Tiwa Savage. He said, this coming from somebody that body shames and age shames and is ages. Referring to tweets over the last 12 uh, months where Victoria Kimani had publicly criticized Tiwa Savage for her age and her body. It's basically the chicken coming home to roost. But anyway, we move from there and rounding up. In London, this one I'm excited about. In the UK, UK rapper singer Steph London releases a brand new single titled Can't Let You Go, an Afrobeats track where she sings in Yoruba. Come on, let me take a minute to that and applaud Steph London. Not only, thank you very much guys, you know, thank you very much guys for applauding Steph London's feat of singing in Yoruba, pronouncing perfectly and jumping on an Afrobeats record. She was criticized on social media. People came out again, oh yeah, this culture vulture, this person. And I said, and I'll say again, as long as a Nigerian boy in Ajekule can sing in Patwa, a Jamaican girl in Kingston can sing in Yoruba. Both of them have the same claim to their African heritage like the other. So no, let nobody from today say that a black person from anywhere in the world has no right to lay a claim to Africa. They do, equally. Whether you're born and raised in Africa or you're born and raised in Jamaica or the United States of America, as long as you come with this complexion and is back, my brother and sister, we are the same. So for me, I wanna say, Can't Let You Go by Steph London is a fantastic record. Definitely going to bang that on the beat, London 103.6 FM, every Wednesday between 7 p.m. and 9 p.m. on Afro Hits. It's a banger. And that is what we want to see more of. We want to see people from different parts of the world embrace their African heritage and celebrate it in different ways that will bring more awareness to the culture. So shout out to Steph London for taking that huge, huge step especially knowing that the criticism will come. People want to hear how she pronounced the words. Oh, she didn't pronounce it well. She didn't do this one well. In the video, she's, you can see her doing the beku. Come on, man. Give the girl a break. She did well. Very well. 
And then, just before we came on, uh, I saw Busta Rhymes' popular legend, rap legend Busta Rhymes from the United States of America, had posted, he's currently promoting his brand new album that's about to be released on the 30th of October, where he's been talking about it for quite some time. So he posted a picture of himself, a before and after uh picture of him in the gym and the kind of hard work he's been putting in he had like a big belly as you can see there and now the six pack is looking rip he's been putting in work he said he's always wanted to deliver incredible work to his fans and doing the hard work is what he loves doing and another part the reason he hit the news this week was he was trying to find a versus partner where he could play some of his hits alongside that person and he made a suggestion that he could do it with T.I. But T.I. responded saying that him and uh, Buster Rhymes were not of the same generation. And Buster didn't take that lightly. So Buster did a video saying, come on, T.I., man. Same generation. Just admit that you didn't want none of these smoke. You don't have as many hits to go back to back on a versus battle with the legendary, iconic Buster Rhymes. And I've got to agree. T.I. is a great rapper with incredible catalog. But Buster Rhymes' catalog dates back to 1993-94, brother. And I'm talking worldwide smashes. God, if I start naming them now, we won't even finish the show. And finally, we're finishing in America where Mick Mill, rapper Mick Mill as well, just put out a tweet that simply reads that you women should post your boyfriends. So that way... You show respect and you don't have 80,000 rich guys trying to snip into your DM. Telling all the girls that look fly on Instagram, don't let us feel like you're single, man. Post a picture of your boyfriend so we don't harass you. And I think that's fair. That way, none of these rich guys will be getting in people's DMs and then you screenshot it and go and post it on Instagram that Meek Mill tried to talk to me even though I got a man. Listen, he didn't know. All the pictures he saw was your bikini shots and you looking hot. And he's like, how about I holler at this girl? So please, ladies and gentlemen, ladies, make sure you post your boyfriend's pictures to ward away evil from these rich men that are looking for beautiful young women. On that note, I end up this week's edition of the Afrobeats podcast, Adi Chopin Live, live here from the Afri Media Studios in London, once again supported and sponsored by World Remin and Afro Scene TV and Afro Wave. Shout out to everybody supporting us. It's very simple. Make sure you subscribe across all platforms. If you subscribe and you support, we'll keep doing this one. Until next time, it's peace and I'm out. Listening to Adi Chopin Live, the Afrobeats podcast. Right, press and got that sauce.